the Mess It Up Podcast, where we take your mess and turn it into a message. And now, here's the Bowtie Guy. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Mess It Up Podcast. I am your host, the Bowtie Guy, and I am here with my lovely friend, Faith. Hi. Uh, and we're going to be talking uh, a little bit here before Thanksgiving um, and having some fun. I, it was really interesting. I love how God works. And this is one of those kind of God things. We are, um, are looking at the, um, the, the word of the week here. And the word of the week for this week is extirpation. And extirpation is a cool word. I put this in about, I don't know, four, five, six weeks ago, I put this in the list. And I did not know that I was going to be recording with Faith today. And the definition of extirpation is the surgical removal of an organ, part of an organ or diseased tissue. Hey. And here I am talking to Faith. And we're going to be talking about Look at uh, that. Her husband's liver transplant. I was like, oh my goodness, that's awesome. So here's the deal. You're going to be listening to this and this is Tuesday before Thanksgiving. So Thanksgiving is going to be coming up in a couple of days. I want you to use extirpation on Thanksgiving, especially when you're talking about the turkey. Just throw it around in conversation. <laughs> and since it's Thanksgiving, it's going to be a 20 pointer. Uh, so if you can wow. use extirpation, give yourself 20 points. Uh, on the day for that one for each time you use it. Uh, if you want to help out the show, there's a lot of ways to do it. One of them is to join us on our uh, social media and help us become more social. So go find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, follow us on that. We are on uh, Reddit. If you look up Messed Up Ministries uh, as a subreddit, we're there and you can chat with us. And that is always, always fun as well. For people who want to go above and beyond, you can become one of our Patreon members by going to MessItUpPodcast.com. Click on the Become a Patron button, and you can help join the show and support us financially. For as little as a dollar a month, you can help the show out. And there are a lot of people who are doing it um, at more than a dollar a month. But but if, if you just want to get your feet wet at a dollar, that's fine. But the sky's the limit. Um, on that. And it really does help out. We're going to be getting into the prisons here soon uh, in December. So we're going to be needing materials for uh, our students in the prisons. We're also going to be needing money to help pay for missionaries to travel back and forth to the prisons and try to help defray some of their travel expenses. And your money that you give on Patreon is tax deductible. Uh, we're coming up here on the end of the year. So it's time to be thinking about that year in giving as well. So if you want to make a special gift, you can uh, contact me and I'll tell you how that will work. We're getting something set up as I'm recording. It's not set up yet, but by the time you hear this, it should be. But uh, just give me a call or a text at 760-608-1942. And I can tell you how to uh, do the online giving through our Messed Up Ministries site. Well, I'll just tell you right now. Hopefully it's done. Uh, you can check out messedupministries.com. And um, there should be a button there where you can uh, give as well. That's different than messituppodcast.com. Same ministry, different website. So anyhow, that's what we've got for you on that. Uh, Faith. Hey. Hey. Uh, thanks for being here. Uh, super glad that you were able to join us. We talked about doing this show a while back when I was in uh, Oregon for I, I, 
when I, I took back it, to Hawaii. I think it was when you took back to Hawaii. Yeah. Um, and by the way, I talked to your lovely daughter this morning or this afternoon, um, and that was fun. Uh, but uh, we talked about doing a show after Dan got a transplant. Now, when you took Becca to Hawaii, that was the month of September, August? Um, I want to say it might have been August. I was thinking July, but I think it was August. Yeah. So you took her so she could go to school in Hawaii. I came up and stayed with Dan in case something happened. And my big fear when I was gone was that we would get the call for the liver for Dan and that I would have to take care of all that. And I did not feel qualified to do it. I felt honored that you thought I was qualified, but in my head, I'm like, oh my goodness. If I get this call, first thing I'm doing is calling Faith and saying, help me. <laughs> get so back here. It was, a, it was a big concern for all of us because here's what I remember specifically. Um, his, his MELD score, which is where his liver functioning was, had just gotten into that prime zone literally days before I was scheduled to fly away. So he, so what they don't like to do a transplant until your MELD score is between 20 and 25. Um, and they don't like to do it if it goes over 30. Um, and so just a couple of days prior to me leaving, he had gotten to about 22 and that's just the right the right thing. So I think all three of us were a little bit nervous mm -hmm. that it could possibly happen while I was gone. <laughs> yeah, that sweet spot was definitely there. And I was, man, I was nervous. And I remember going over the things with you, you know, beforehand. And uh, then you came home and it was like, okay, I'm safe. Once, once, you know, I picked you up at the airport. I was like, all right, go ahead and call now, uh, you know, hospital and we'll be good. Uh, it didn't come right away. How soon had you gotten home before you guys did get the call? Two weeks. Two weeks. So, um, you know, listeners of the show will remember that there was a, a false uh, opportunity back in February. We were, was it? No, it was, it was in June. No. It was in June. It was, yeah, it was summertime. Um, when I was in Hawaii. And uh, we were so excited. And I remember waking up in the morning and then uh, finding out that it didn't happen and just being uh devastated by that so you get the call the second time how did that compare to the first time um i remember the first time we got the call i we were in costco and the nurse was talking to me and saying hey we have a liver for dan talking to you on the phone she, you didn't go to a, a no a surgeon we in costco just to clarify for the listeners <laughs> she <laughs> no, calls we got a bulk <laughs> rate seven livers for the price of four just today only. Mm -hmm. um, no, she called. They they have my phone number. They always call the doctors and the nurses call me directly. And so she, um, the the nurse that's in charge of our case, called me while we were in the middle of Costco, and um, she's got a list of things that she's got to tell me, information she's got to give me. And I remember specifically she, when the words came out of her mouth, "I've got a liver for you." I just was, I was in the middle of getting in line. So there are people all around me and I just, I couldn't speak. Tears were just flowing out of my eyes. Um, I just kept saying, are you serious? Are you serious? Are you serious? And I'm just crying. And Dan's looking at me like, what's wrong? What's wrong? Because <laughs> he didn't even know what was happening. And, and she was kind of like laughing on the other end. Like I, I need to get through some information and give you, but I couldn't stop crying because I was so excited. Um, 
So the second time when they called and said, hey, we got a liver for you, um, I was again, very excited, but I was um, cautiously optimistic is what I would say I was. Yeah, yeah. So you guys prepared, you went early morning trip to the hospital? No, it was, they called us at, I think around um, 12, they said, be at the hospital by 7 p.m. Okay. So we, she, as a matter of fact, she said, go have dinner, um, go and like Dan can eat whatever he wants. Nothing is off the limits for him. Of course, he's so nervous. He wasn't, didn't yeah. want to eat. Yeah. I'm like, bring it on. I'll take a steak. <laughs> <laughs> With a donut. Uh, so, um, trying to sleep that night, I'm guessing was difficult. Were you able to stay there with him in the room in the hospital and be together or did you have to leave? Uh, that was honestly, God was so gracious to both of us throughout the whole entire journey. Um, there was not the only, I can only think of one time when I was not able to be with Dan everywhere we went, even like, I mean, everything's happening during the midst of COVID. Um, and everywhere they let me in. So I got to spend the night in the room with him prior to him having the surgery. Um, every, even when he was in ICU, I couldn't spend the night in ICU, but they let me go down to the ICU room and, and stay with him from eight o'clock in the morning till 10 o'clock at night. Um, so we've all, I always was right there next to him the whole entire time. That's amazing. So, um, when did it feel real? Like, when did you finally exhale and say, okay, it's going to happen? I mean, was it when they took him into the operating room or when they brought him back out? It's like, okay, it's going to happen now. They're not going to change their mind. Uh, there was first that night they still had done the, they were doing the COVID test. Of course, that's what happened last time was they took the COVID test. The COVID test came back positive. So they canceled the whole thing because of that. Um, so when we went in, they do all, and there's, they draw 20 some labs. So they've got mm. 20 some vials of blood work that they do prior to the transplant. Um, so they came in and did that. And then we waited. They still had not come in and done the COVID test. I think we waited for like three hours. Mm. Finally, they came in and did the COVID test. And the whole time I'm like, okay. And for any reason, not just a COVID test, but they could get the liver and say, there's something wrong with this liver. We can't use it. Or, I mean, there's, there's a lot of reasons why people get, get called into the hospital and then get denied. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not uncommon for that to happen multiple times to somebody. So, so I, I think at 10 o'clock at night, I finally asked a nurse, Hey, do we have the results from the COVID test? And she came back and said, oh, let me go check and said, yeah, it's negative. I breathed a little bit, but even then I was like, okay, still, they're still testing the liver. We still have to wait till tomorrow, test the liver. I think even when they, they rolled him out of the room that we were in and I stayed in there, I told the nurse, I don't want to leave this room just in case something happens. And they say, it's not, the liver's not good. And we we need to check it. And so there was some like, cause they needed to get the room cleaned up. So there was this a little bit of 
debate between the cleaning staff and the nurse mm-hmm. staff. The nurse felt very compassionate for me. And of course, wanted me to stay as long as possible. Um, and I told her, I said, listen, I, I live like 30 minutes away. I don't want to drive home and then have them call me and say, come back and get them. Uh, so another hour and a half while oh, he's wow. in the room while they're prepping him and then prepping the liver and making sure the liver is good. And finally they said, okay, we have, to, we have to get you out. It looks, everything looks like it's going through. They got him sedated. Um, so I went home at that point an hour and a half later after they rolled him out of the room. And when I got the first call at home, they called me about every 30 minutes, 30 mm. to 40 minutes because with status updates. Yeah, with status updates to tell me how everything was going. Because prior to, you used to sit in a little waiting room and they would have a nurse come talk to you uh, during one time. So in some ways, it's almost better during this COVID thing because they're they're communicating way more. Yeah. Um, The nurse was calling me every 30 minutes. Okay, we've gotten to this point. We're now here. Um, And I was able to update all my people all the time because everybody's like, what's going on? What's happening? And so. And how long was was that surgery? Um, I believe it was six hours. Yeah. And it it wasn't until it was done and it's like he's in the recovery room. That's when I finally exhaled. Because up until then, I was like, no, 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 no. And now I don't really even think about it anymore. I, I used to think about it like I remember when my daughter was born, I used to go and check to see she was breathing all the time. And then eventually I just stopped doing that. And right. I was that way with Dan with his liver, like, okay, where are we, where are we? And now I just like, when I talk to him, it doesn't even cross my mind that he's got a different liver in there. It just, oh, there's Dan. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And it, um, I think it's so interesting just to, the through the whole process for me, it's not been so simple. Like right after the surgery, I went in and it was so great to see his eyes and to see his face right after surgery because, and on my, on our Dan's journey page that we have, I posted a picture of me the very first night. Um, I think they let me come in for a couple of hours and it was Dan, like he was joking. He was normal. Um, and like, I had this like relief of (gasps) my husband. Like mm-hmm. I see him, he's back. I things are going to be better, and then the next day happened, and things were not as good. And uh, we're gonna we're gonna leave that as a cliffhanger, okay. because um, uh, I want to throw it into the uh, the song of the week here, because uh, I don't want to interrupt that story because that is uh, an important part of this. Uh, but the, the a couple of weeks ago, Faith sent me a t- well, maybe been last week, but she was in the car and uh, took a picture of the stereo and said, "This is a Faith Paxton song." So I was like, "Okay, we'll save that for when Faith comes on." So this is Baylor Wilson. This is called "Joy Comes in the Morning." We're going to give you about ninety seconds back on the other side to tell you our thoughts about that, as well as to um, talk more about Dan and his liver and and the uh, post stuff from that. So here's ninety seconds of Baylor Wilson. Every battle, 
you go that was taylor swift i mean that was baylor wilson uh, when joy comes in the morning that was my first thing i thought this was the first time i heard this song and my first thought was wow sounds a lot like taylor swift uh and it does i mean as soon as i start listening i was like yeah i know why this is a faith song uh faith um talk about your impressions on this song well first of all you know i like a good upbeat song i like mm -hmm. something that's fun that gets you moving and um this just like when i first heard this song that's what caught me right away was that fun jumpy like oh this is so fun but quite honestly this song totally speaks to my heart about what i've been through over the last year because even though she says in here there's a part in here that says which this is straight from scripture though weeping may last for the evening and your sor sorrow may stay for the night keep your eyes up and keep believing because joy comes in the morning. Mm -hmm. And I remember that scripture specifically because I kept thinking and like, I just felt the Holy spirit the whole entire time saying, this is just a season. You're going through a season of weeping. You're going through a season of mourning, but joy is coming. Mm -hmm. Joy is coming. Yeah. You're going to get all teary eyed now. <laughs> That's okay. It's, there's, there's, it's, it's audio only. So people can't tell they can just hear it in your voice. Uh, and the, the thing for me is, you know, that it's it's like a direct line right to Paul that says, all you have to do is just be still. It's not going to end like this. And it, it just is my reminder that I constantly need that reminder of, look, man, take your hands off. Let God do it. Don't be so cotton picking strong that you don't need God. Just let him do his thing. It's going to be okay. And, and that's a reminder that I just need constant reminding of uh, because I, I get my hands back on that wheel. So, so this is a great reminder for that as well in that song. I, I, I appreciate that. Fun song. Yeah. So uh, we're going to go um, from, from the joy of the morning and, and rewind it back to the pain of the night. So right before the break, you were talking about the fact that um, it wasn't going to end or, you know, that, that you were having, you know, that, that first day he was there, he was joking and everything. And then the next day happened. Talk to then, us about the next day. The next day. So this was one of the few moments, the few moments um, where they didn't allow me to spend the night with Dan. Uh, so from October of last year, this is when it, everything started to crash. So a year ago, mm -hmm. a little over a year ago, and we were in the hospital over and over and over again. Um, and so when he came out of 
um, the transplant in ICU, even though they allowed me to be in the room, there's not enough room for you to sleep down there. So they were like, okay, you have to go home at nighttime and but you can come back in the morning. So I had planned to do that. And I got up early in the morning. I was super excited to go back. We only got a couple of hours in the night before. And I was excited to hear him joking and just to see him and get back to Dan being Dan again. And I called just to check, see how his night went. Cause I was concerned that he wasn't going to get enough sleep. He was super talkative when I had left, like almost crazy amount of talking. Um, and so I just called to see if he had gotten any sleep and how his night went. And they transferred me to three different nurses before anybody talked mm. to me. And Not a good uh, sign. The, the, yeah. And immediately the nurse apologized and she said, I'm so sorry, Faith. We didn't call you earlier this morning. She said, I need to tell you Dan's okay, but he had a seizure at 4 a.m. Mm. And I, I'm just so sorry nobody called you. Um, and like, I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know what that looked like. I didn't, I was just like wrapping my mind around, okay, things are not good. Um, and sure enough, I had got down there immediately and things were not good. Uh, How was that drive? Um, Cause you got a half fast. hour, <laughs> you know, you got a half an hour and, and, and I'm guessing traffic cause it's morning heading into the city wasn't too much traffic, but you know, I had to, I had to get ready and I have Dylan here. Um, luckily I've been very blessed to have people. Um, as a matter of fact, that was Dylan's very first week of school. Mm -hmm. Um, and I had people at a new school at a new school. Um, and I had people lined up to come because I did not know what after transplant was going to look like. So I had had enough foresight because of the false one that we mm -hmm. went through. I recognized at that point, I need to have people lined up to come help me with Dylan specifically. I don't know what life is going to be like after transplant. Um, and so, you know, in my head, I've got kids, I've got to tell, I've got to get Dylan to school, but get him to school in a way that he's not going to be worried about his dad all day long. And, um, so there was a lot going on in my mind. I got to get ready. I don't know what, I don't know what to bring with me. I don't know what to expect. I don't know what to take. Um, I don't know how to, I just was, I was at that point, I just wanted to get on the road and get to see him as soon as possible. Um, and so it went by, I feel like the drive went by faster than I thought it was going to go. That would be excruciating for me. I hate having to be somewhere and that I, I, we, we just watched jingle all the way this weekend. And when he drive, uh, he drives on the, the, the shoulder. I'm like, that would have been me. I would have been driving on shoulders. I've been going <laughs> opposite direction of traffic. I would have been hopping islands. I would have just been a wreck. I'm, I'm too much of a scaredy cat. <laughs> <laughs> so I, but, but honestly it was the Holy spirit that was within me mm. keeping me calm. Um, even though I had tons of questions and I didn't, I didn't have answers and I didn't know. And I, um, was nervous, but at the same time, I feel like there was a piece that was just over me. Okay. So you weren't painting world's worst scenario as you're driving. No, I, I didn't even, I didn't even know how to process what was going on. Yeah. Um, it's not a stroke. Um, 
it wasn't a heart attack. And she did tell me on the phone, he's okay. Yeah. So that helps. Um, that did help. And I just didn't like I had until I got there to see him, to hear him, to know what he was going. I didn't know what to think. And so my, <laughs> excuse me, my biggest, my biggest hurry was I just need to get my eyes on him. I need to see right. how things are. Yeah. So when you got there, did they let you come in at all? Or did you still have to wait once you got there? Well, you have to go through the lobby and, and answer a million questions. <laughs> but as soon as, you know, I say I'm a um, support person for Dan Paxton, and then they have to call down to ICU, check with the front nurse. The nurse is like, yeah, send her down right away. Okay. And then, and then you have to ring the button on the ICU doors. Yeah. <laughs> and I, you know, as soon as I say, I'm Dan Paxton's wife doors fly open and when i got there there was already a neurology team the transplant team mm. several different nurses um he was hooked up to many monitors um and and i i just knew things were different yeah. it wasn't it wasn't what it was the night before right um so um you're you're going in there you've you know that he's had this seizure you see him he looks okay he's hooked up to stuff he looks okay what then is the processing procedure that the, the the order of operations how do you how do you work through that and and how do you find calm after that that okay is this going to happen again how many times is going to happen what's the deal uh that was that was my biggest question is this going to happen again how many times is this going to happen the, you know God was very good to put the right people in the right places at the right time. Um, and so we were surrounded with, I feel very confident in our teams. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and I say teams because it was literally like the transplant team. Is it, is it, it's not just one doctor. There's 15 doctors on the transplant. Oh team. my word. Um, the neurology team, it, again, it's not just one doctor. They have a team there was six or seven of them. And so they were all very, very, very good about if I wasn't in the room when they were in the room, they called me. Um, if I had, they were very good to say, what can we answer for your questions? And because he was in ICU, they were running tests. They were doing MRIs. They were doing everything all the time to see how things were going. And so as the day progressed, even though I, he, he was completely, I mean, he could hardly even speak. And I, you know, after a seizure, there's a, a bit of um, wear and tear on your body after you right. have a seizure. And so he was, he was quite out of it the whole day. Um, but he was having, he was having a hard time speaking and connecting yeah. words. And so the team was very good to assure me listen, we've checked his brain. We have his brain being constantly monitored. As a matter of fact, there's pictures yeah. on our, of him, like with all the wires hooked up to his brain. And they were very good to assure me, we can't find anything wrong. Like mm -hmm. there's no, um, uh, what's it called when you like air bubbles or. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff. Right. Yeah. Um, clocks. Okay. <laughs> 
yeah, that thing. Um, there, there were no clots in his brain. They couldn't find any bleeds. They couldn't find any, anything. So the brain looked good and they were very confident, both the liver team um, and the transplant team or the transplant team and the um, neurology team were very confident that it probably was a medicine that they give you um, to help you not reject the new liver. Yeah. And so, um, you know, just having them in two or three times during the day, having the, the nurse literally only has two patients and she, her desk is in between Dan's window and her other patient. And so there's not ever a time when somebody is not watching him. And so I felt very good and I felt very confident that, okay, this wasn't a problem that was going to keep coming up and be a new problem for us, but we just had to get through this one seizure and get past this and get better. Yeah. Uh, I remember um, a phone call that I got from Dan in the hospital (laughs) after the seizure and he was talking to me and he told me, and he was so emotional. He just, he broke down and he could barely get it out. He's like, I had a seizure. And it was almost like he was telling me, Oh, by the way, I just murdered your family. He was so, he was just weeping. And it's just, it was, it was hard to, to see and process, you know, because I knew that he wasn't in his right mind, so to speak. I knew that that wasn't the way he was really feeling that it was, you know, chemicals just going crazy and whatnot. And, um, I felt, uh, out of control is not the right way, but that's as close as I can come to the words for it. I just felt like I wanted to do something and I was, I was helpless to do anything for him. How was it being there seeing that? Cause you know, your life is Dan has been a very capable man. He's not been one who needs, he helps others more than others help him. And right. now he's helpless. And yeah. how did that feel as, as the wife? Um, it took me, it took me back to, uh, February, March, January, when he was having, um, H E episodes, hepatic mm-hmm. encephalopathy episodes, man, uh, you can just roll that off your tongue now. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. You're like a doctor. Uh, I feel like through this, I, I should have some kind of de- some degree. degree after. Yeah after all the things that we've been through and all that I've had to learn. But it was very, 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 very similar as far as his mental state um, to those days when, when he was dealing with that, because like he he was, he was out of his mind. He was not able to comprehend things and he wasn't. um, I mean, it was very clear. He he couldn't stop talking. Once he was able to like talk a little bit, he still couldn't talk great, but even if he could talk a little bit, he was, constantly trying to tell people and he he was my sister-in-law was just here my sister-in-law and brother-in-law were just here and they were telling me a story about when I had left to go home to get some clothes and Dan had called them and it was a pretty funny conversation but they knew Dan is not Dan (laughs) yeah there is something going on he is not right and um I mean there's some humor in uh you know like when you take your kid to the dentist and yes. they're on uh, the crazy meds and the, yeah. you know, they, they're delusional and everybody videotapes that and everybody loves to watch that. And it's kind of funny. 
And so there was, you know, there was some of the, even the nurses coming in, he was, you know, kind of funny when they were coming in and they would get a kick out of them. And, and it was fun to watch for a little bit, but also a part of me was like, how long is this going to be like this? And I don't want to, I, I don't want to, I don't want it to be worse when we get home. I thought it was going to get better. Yeah. And for me, the hardest part about Dan's sickness is not necessarily the physical aspect. It was hard to watch him physically not be able to do things and be sick. But for me, always the hardest part was um, him not mentally being able yeah. to be there. Right, right. Um, it occurs to me that when you have a transplant, that the, the reason that you were able to get a transplant was because there was a donor available. And it's not like a kidney where a person can just, I mean, this, this wasn't a live donor situation. This is a person Correct. who had passed. And that means there's now corneas, there's heart, there's lungs, there's kidneys, there's, there's all these organs to be transplanted in other bodies that this person has graciously made available. Are you aware of any of the other people who may have been receiving transplants while you were there? We, they keep that pretty close to the chest. They don't let things out. Matter of fact, we don't even know where this person was from. Mm -hmm. I, I always assumed it would be somebody from Oregon, mm -hmm. um, but they were flying um, the, the liver in. Okay. Okay. So it, it wouldn't have been that all those people would be in the same, back in the day, the same waiting room. That's correct. Okay. It, the, the parts could have gone all over America. All over the, okay. Okay. You know, it could have been somebody fly who they flew from Hawaii, you know, yeah. like you just don't know. Yeah. Um, and they, they don't give you any information about the person other than this person was high risk. This person was low risk. This person had yeah. this wrong with their liver or not. Um, so everything, but they do give you, they do tell you, you can write, um, it's not really a thank you letter. You can yeah. write a letter of appreciation yeah. to the donor's family and you give it to your transplant team and they'll and get it there. They will make sure that it gets to the right place. Um, so the mess is obvious in this. Where's what's the message that people need to get out of this? You know, if it weren't, if I don't know, I just don't know how people do this. Um, who don't know Jesus. Mm. I don't, I don't know how people get through what we have just been through in the last year um, without the support and love of um, friends and family and who, um, <laughs> why is it so hard? <laughs> uh -huh. um, but the, the blessing in all of this is that God is so good in mm -hmm. spite of what we have to go through. And I will tell you that just because you're a Christian, it does not mean you're going to be void of heartache and trial and tribulation. Um, sometimes we bring it on ourselves and sometimes it's just because it's part of life. But I will tell you, even though we walk through it, there is a difference way I look at it. And um, it, in spite of all that we had to go through, 
I feel super blessed Mm. and I feel super um, just grateful to God that he provided everything that he provided every time I needed something. Yeah. Um, And even having the people that came and stayed with us, like you came so that I could go take Becca to school. No, I came so I could take the Becca to school and you could stay (laughs) and you shut me down quick on that one. But I mean, honestly, if it weren't for people like you who came during my time, like Dylan was starting a brand new school. I didn't know what my life was going to look like. And I was very clear to everybody that I called and said, Hey, would you be willing to come on a a quick notice, like a week's notice just to come stay at my house and help me with whatever I need? I don't know a lot of people that would do that or have the ability to do that, but you know what? God provided me with plenty of people who said, yep, you just, just let us know. And we're, we're there. Yeah. And so it was, it was a blessing. How has it been now? We are, how many weeks post op now? Are we eight? Um, we're past eight. I we're into 10. We're we're almost to, cause no, it was September 7th when he got his liver. Okay. Okay. And recording date on this is November. We're recording on November 15th. Um, So, um, and this show comes out, is going to come out. This is actually Tuesday after Thanksgiving that this show, or no, Tuesday, Tuesday before Thanksgiving, that this show will come out. So, so what's it been like after you got home? Piece of cake, easy road. No, no. Best times ever. No. I knew even prior to him having the seizure that it was going to be difficult Um, because, you know, they, in order to be qualified to get on the transplant list, you have to have a caregiver who basically they stop their life to stay home with you for three months. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they, and they're pretty good about saying, Hey, you've got to be on top of his meds. You've got to be on top of his appointments. Like, and they let you know the risk factor of how dangerous it is for them for the first three months. And I, but I don't think I was fully aware. You never can be. There's just no possible way. It's like going into a marriage or having children or, or whatever. There's just, you can read all the books in the world on parenting until you've got that child there doing whatever it's doing. You just don't know. Yeah. And, and I tend to not be a very um, worried person. And I don't like, I tend to see things on a positive note. Um, I will tell you that month and the first month and a half coming home after transplant was harder than the whole entire year leading up to the transplant. Can you say why? um, Like I had said previously, for me, every time Dan has had the physical problems were hard. The mental problems are so much harder on me yeah. um, because I'm used to Dan um, fixing things. I'm used to Dan um, knowing how to deal with everything in our house. And when, when I have to care for him, care for our kids and be the brain of us. <laughs> right. Um, it's not what I'm used to. It's hard for me. And um, I remember, 
I remember, you know, working with Dan on, he had a new computer that he got before the operation. Then he's trying to switch from lifelong Windows user to now a Mac user. And I remember him saying, I'm just going to chuck this thing out the window. And it's like, that's not Dan. I, I've no. never heard Dan threaten to chuck something out the window in jest or in reality. And it's just, it, it, it's a different person that we would get every once in a while, not always, but it was, and I thought it was difficult for me, but I could just be like, oh, bad connection and hang up if I needed to. Sorry, Dan. And Dan's listening right now, I know. Um, but but you were there. Yeah, uh, the first the first month. So his his frustration level was super hard. Mm -hmm. uh, he, I mean, he just like was frustrated quickly, quickly, quickly. Um, and we, we've been married for 28 years this December. Wait, yeah, 28 years this December. Um, and I will tell you, we've had an easy marriage. Like we haven't had very many fights at all. Um, so few. And when we got home from transplant, uh, there was a fight at least once a day for the first three to four weeks, mm. sometimes three to four fights a day. And I just didn't like, I was not prepared for that part of it I didn't understand I didn't even realize that would be part of it <laughs> yeah yeah there's, and I, I don't know if that's something that is like a possibility that they warn you about that you just didn't hear or if it's like everybody reacts differently to medicine so it's like we don't know how it's going to be yeah I think that was the I think that was the biggest part is that everybody reacts so differently and everybody's experience is so different and she and they kept saying to us you can't compare your recovery to anybody else's recovery um, not everybody has a seizure, <laughs> right? Not, not everybody. And we knew going into it, he already has a reaction to prednisone. He's going to be on very, 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 very high doses of prednisone, which did cause a lot of his mental issues and his emotional outbursts and his not being stable mentally. Um, yeah. but then what I didn't know was oh, the medicine that he was taking for anti-seizures is also going to cause the same reactions that he was having with prednisone. It was going to interfere with that too. So um, other people may not have that reaction because they don't react that way to prednisone. They don't, they didn't have a seizure and have other meds that was going to also interfere with that. So a lot of that um, was medicine induced and that did help me knowing this isn't going to last forever. We are going to get through this. It is going to get better. And they were very good to say to me, they would call me and say, Faith, how are you doing? What's going on? And I, we just want to remind you, it's two steps forward, one step back. Mm -hmm. He's going to have a good day. Then he's going to have two bad days, or he's going to have three good days and he's going to have one bad day. Yeah. Don't, you know, and they're, they were on top of calling me all the time and checking in with me to see how, how I was doing, how, what he was doing. And and how I'm dealing with it. And so, like I said before, God was very good to surround me with exactly who I needed to be surrounded with uh, to help me get through it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I know we can go on and on forever and I don't want to do that because we're already at the, uh, the 45 minute mark here on the show. So uh, I want to kind of slow it down a little bit, but um I guess just thanks for being willing to, to come on and talk. I, I remember before 
you know, I was there this summer, I said, you know, I want to talk to you. And you said, well, I want to talk about it, but, but after the, the transplant and um, how are you now that we're post post, you know, and, and we're moving in on more and more normal. How are you specifically feeling? I'm starting to see uh, the joy that comes in the morning. Mm. You know, I, I have that uh, life is getting back to normal. Um, I don't, I, I don't have too much. Like I see January coming around and, and January is kind of our marker point. Like we feel like three months that gives him a good buffer to stay, stay isolated and, and keep, um, keep the germs away so that because that's the most crucial point is the three months um and so we were really hoping by january we're going to see him in the pulpit we're going to see him preaching again and um i heard him singing this week yeah he actually we got the okay for him to go back to church actually even prior to january and he's not quite up to preaching yet that's still a little too much but um singing comes very naturally to him it's nice to hear his voice um, be full strength again. Like he hasn't had that in a long time. Um, so I'm, I'm starting to see, he's actually been driving a little bits here and there, which that, <laughs> uh, that hasn't been for a long time. December, with your permission. With my permission. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no early morning donut runs that I didn't approve of. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, so but- what are you looking forward to then in the new year? I'm really looking forward to him um, being on his own again and doing things for himself, like driving himself to church and, and working again. And um, I'm looking forward to listening to my husband um, as a pastor again, Um, even though he's been able to still preach a lot of the time. um, It's not been the same. Yeah. Like, and, and everybody who's looked at him, like we have pictures. He took, he had his, his brother come up right before he went in for transplant before we even knew he was going to have it. And I mean, everybody that saw him, he was dying. I mean, there's no other, there's no other way around it. He was dying. They don't put you on a transplant list because you're just a little bit sick. Right. Um, and so if physically he looked like he was dying. Um, and so I'm looking forward to just having my husband back. That is awesome. That's awesome. He's holding it back. We got the Barbara <laughs> Walters moment going here. <laughs> well, Faith, thank you so much for taking the time to uh, share with us. Um, it's been really good to uh, to just hear the other end of the story, and I can't wait to talk uh, next week. Uh, We'll be having Dan and Faith on to talk a little bit about stuff, kind of a post-Thanksgiving show. Um, I'm going to apologize right now for messing up my order. I I forgot which shows I already had recorded and where I was in the calendar. And I I was thinking tonight as I'm recording this show that it was tomorrow's show, but I realized I had one in the can. So when I scheduled Dan to talk about the Thanksgiving show on Thanksgiving week, I didn't realize I was actually scheduling Faith to talk about it. So we didn't get to do a pre-Thanksgiving. We'll do a post-Thanksgiving, a turkey lull. uh, show for you, but uh, that'll be something to look forward to in the future. We got some holiday stuff coming up, and then it's a brand new year coming up in just a few weeks uh, for everyone, including us here on the Mess It Up podcast. So, really looking forward to the things that the new year has for us. Uh, don't forget to use 
that word of the week uh, extrapation in your uh, Thanksgiving conversations because it's awesome. Faith, thanks for sharing your extrapation story with us. And uh, we will see you next time we mess it up. See ya. Thanks for checking out the Mess It Up podcast. If you've got any questions or feedback, please email info at messituppodcast.com. Don't forget to share with your friends, and we'll see you next time we mess it up. Yeah.